our help. I need some help right now very quickly. You're going to be given an item that I want you to hold for just a few moments. Uh, you would go ahead and pass them out. They're going to pass out a key. Everybody in the building, I want everybody to have a key. Everybody. Say that with me. Everybody. Everybody. Visitors and all. Key. I got the biggest set. All right? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to get a key. Praise God. You got it? All right. I want you to hold that for just a moment. Now get your Bibles. Let's get ready for the Word of the Lord. I'm going to turn to three passages of Scripture. So you'll have to go quickly with me because my time is limited. And I understand that. There was a young man come out of a service one morning where the preacher had waxed long and boring deep. B-O-R-I-N-G. Boring. Is that how you spell bored? Yeah, boring. Yeah. And the young man in the foyer said, oh, is he finished now? He said, oh, he's finished. He just hadn't stopped yet. So I don't want that to happen this morning. Isaiah chapter 22, going to read verse number 22. Then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 16. Isaiah chapter 22 and verse number 22. Isaiah chapter 16 and verse 18. We could go to Revelation 3 and 7, but I won't take the time, but it's very similar to Isaiah 22 and 22. And this is what it prophesies. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18 said, And I say unto thee that upon, that I say unto thee, Peter, and upon, or let me restart this. And I say unto thee that, that, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not Peter, but the rock of revelation that he had just disclosed, understanding who Jesus Christ was. Don't ever get confused about that. There's not one man that holds the keys to the kingdom that can let you in or out. I'm sorry if that offends you, but the keys were a means of of allowing access. And they were given because of the revelation. So that means anybody in this building that understands the revelation of Jesus Christ has a key that will unlock a world of power and potential that you cannot even comprehend. I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. Verse number 19. Are the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. All right? Now, that's the foundation of the next several weeks. We're going to begin a series this morning 
Brother Kilgore can be, uh, we can bless him for this. How many of you remember when Brother Kilgore was here, he brought a sack of keys one night and preached about you being the key to revival at Greater Life Church. And he asked you to go tape it somewhere visible so you could see it every day. I went home and I taped mine to my mirror in the bathroom because that's where I go every day. And I was there Monday morning and I looked up and sitting over to the side was that key. And God began to talk to me. And so for the next few weeks, for this season of our church, from now until Pentecost Sunday, every service, we're going to be preaching about the keys. So I want you to bring that key with you. I don't want you to leave it at home. I want you to put it where you can have it in church every time you come. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Saturday night for prayer. By the way, we are still doing prayer on Saturday night for those of you that didn't remember that. Just a little plug there. Uh, Bring it, if you just come up here to pray, bring your key with you. Because I believe God's going to help us unlock some doors and bring us to some places that we have needed to be and that He has designed for us to be. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 16. Chapter 5, verse number 16. He said, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. And then there is a colon. That means these things that have been stated have to do with what he's about to say. For these Things that I've just mentioned to you. For this is the will of God for your life. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So there are three things that Paul mentioned that are God's will for our life. And I want to speak to you this morning about the key to life transformation. Say that with me. The key to life transformation. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm excited about this because I feel like God ordained it and I am believing that God is going to do some powerful things over the next few weeks And I am believing that God is going to give you that sit on these pews this morning some keys that are going to help you and propel you into a better place spiritually. By definition, the word key comes from the Hebrew word metayach, which simply means an opener. Something that gives access. Its extended meaning in the New Testament comes from a word that means a further understanding of what the power of a key is. That it is a shutter, a shutting, a closing. So within the power of that key that you hold in 
your hands. Everybody get your key up and hold it right here for me. Within the power of that key, there is the potential to open and there is the potential to close. There is the opportunity to move into something that has been restricted in your life. There is the opportunity to move away and to close something that needs to be closed and locked away and left forever. Say, I have a key. God is going to give me some keys that are going to empower me to open doors and walk into opportunities and walk into blessings and power and his touch upon my life that will transform me into a new person. And he's also giving me the power through this key to shut some doors and lock them and leave them forever locked. Everybody say the power of the key. Amen. It has an extended meaning if you were to look at the root word of the, the word key. It means to open wide or to loose. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that would like to be freed from some things. Anybody here that's struggling with some stuff you just can't seem to get away from? Anybody here this morning dealing with some issues in your life that it doesn't matter what happens on Sunday when you go home and wake up on Monday morning, those things seem to rise back up? I'm telling you that God put something in your hand just now. He's going to give you something that's going to allow you to turn a lock and open a door and move into things that have been barred from your life. And you have been restricted from going there because you didn't have the authority to go there. Some of you are going to be set free over the next few weeks. And I'm believing that. As a matter of fact, I, I don't just believe it. I know it. God is going to take some fetters and chains off of you. And he's going to help you understand what you have the potential of doing and being in him. The power of a key has come to mean that which decides things in our life. A key becomes a deciding factor in certain things. That which can clarify and give meaning to the riddles of life. A key becomes the aid to interpretation and understanding and a clue to help us solve the mysteries that are plaguing us. The answers to life's questions and life's troubles are found in the power of the key that you hold in your possession right now. Everybody say, I've got a key. I've got a key. A key provides access. It provides entrance into. Listen to me. Listen carefully to me. A key provides access into peace, joy, wisdom, power, revelation, understanding, knowledge, strength, 
healing, help, deliverance, freedom. All of those things are in the power of a key. All of them give you or, or, or it gives you the access to everything that I just mentioned that within the power of that key is the ability according to what Jesus said to bind some things and to loose some things, to take things and put them in check and loose things that will bring blessings upon my life. Everybody say, I've got a key. Amen, I've got a key. The key provides great access. It gives you access to the contents of the house. It represents authority. It represents the power to possess. How many of you have ever bought a home? What's the last thing that they do at closing? I don't care how many papers you've signed. I don't care how much you've committed to in the millions. Some of you don't even have a sense of humor this morning. It doesn't matter how much you put on the dotted line. You have no authority until they hand you that key and they say, Sir, this now belongs to you. And that means you control what comes and goes in those doors. That you have the power of a granting access or barring from your house the things that you want there and the things that you do not want there. That until you have the key, you don't have anything. But when they hand you that key, they say, sir, this is now your house. That means that you have access to everything that's in that house every luxury that they have put into it. I mean, I read about Steve, not not Steve Jobs. Who's the guy that owns Microsoft? Bill Gates. I read about this $50 million house or $80 million house he built. It had sensors. They They would program the room to your personality, and they would program the names of people that were given access to that room so that when you walked into that room, the sensors would pick up who it was and they would turn the lights, the music, the, whatever you liked, whatever the ambiance was, they, it, it came under your control because the key to that room gave you the authority to enjoy that. And when Jesus turned to Peter and said, I give you the keys of the kingdom, He was giving him the right to move in and access treasures that we cannot even imagine. I'm telling you folks that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost was just one of the many things that God can put in your life. That we get hung up on on the Holy Ghost and we think that's the Holy Grail of Pentecost. Folks, that's just the entry door. That just gives you access to get in. And once you're in, oh my Lord, look at what all He has provided for me. He has made a way. He has made a way. He has opened and He has closed. He has provided for my welfare. Amen. And so I hold the keys. When you hold the keys... You control the house. Say that with me. When I hold the keys, 
I control the house. And until you hold the key, you don't hold the house. Somebody else does or something else does. And some of you have let something slip in and steal your keys. Hey, I want to tell you why I believe Jesus did not give Peter the keys that day. He didn't give him the keys until Pentecost. Because there was a couple of keys that were missing. That he was going to have to take a journey into hell to get back. But back in the garden, Satan had slipped into God's paradise and had Stolen a couple of the keys that God had given to man to have dominion over that kingdom. And when he went into hell, he said, okay, boy, I want those keys back that you took so many thousand years ago. Because I'm about to put them in the hands of people that will know what to do with them. And so he took the keys of death and hell and he walked back out of hell. And then when Pentecost came... Peter had a full set. He had all of the keys to the house. There wasn't anything that a a child of God had to be afraid of anymore. You don't have to fear death because death is not the end. It's just a door. It's a door to a better life. It's a door to a greater life. It's a door to a life of immortality. You don't have to fear life because he has given you a key that will lock that door and prevent that spirit from tormenting your life. Amen. Everybody say, I've got a key. So a key is an instrument that opens. It is also an instrument that closes. My friend, Brother Morris, was telling me a few days, I was talking to him about this. He said, well, let me tell you what happened to me when we were in New York City. There was a denominal church that was on hard times, and they were renting their building out. And so that's where Brother Morris and his uh, small church was gathering. And so they'd had a, a microphone stand that had malfunction. And so he came on a Saturday to repair that microphone stand. He had a pair of channel locks in his hand, and he walked up. And he realized when he got there, something was going on. And when he walked in, he realized that they were having a wedding downstairs. And so he went upstairs and somehow in all of the stuff that was going on and the the folks had begun drinking quite heavily and he said you could hear the noise and the laughter and all of that. He said all of that, they had, somebody had gone back and turned the breakers to the lights in the auditorium off. So he said I had a key. So I just walked downstairs and when I walked through, he said all of those men gave him the most glaring look And he just walked right on. He said, I've lived in New York long enough to figure out you just ignore them and go on. So he went back, flipped the breaker on, walked back through, nodded at a couple of them, went back up, and he fixed the microphone. He turned to walk out, and when he turned the knob of the door, all of those men were standing shoulder to shoulder down those steps, Italian men. And he said they had the ugliest look on their face. And he thought, what in the world is going on? And so he said, I realized that I had one of two options. I could either go back inside and be afraid or I could just be a New Yorker and walk right down through the middle of them. So he said, I turned, locked the door, and I walked right down through the middle of them, and they parted. And he said, when I got to the bottom of the steps, a police car come racing around the corner with its lights on, come up screeching to a stop, and the guy jumped out. And they started saying, that's him, that's him, that's the guy right there. 
And so Brother Morris said, what, what in the world is going on here? These guys were drunk. And, uh, they, but anyway, they started saying, he's, he came downstairs with a pipe. And he was, you know, they accused him. He pulled that, uh, that uh, channel locks out of his back. He said, is this the pipe? Yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it. And the police officer said, sir, I need to question you. You're going to have to stay here until the sergeant gets here because we're going to have to have some answers to what you were doing in that house or in that, in that building. And when the sergeant came up, he came in and he said, sir, I need to know why you're in that building. He said, well, I pastor a small church and we rent this. And he said, I have a key. When he said that, he said that sergeant turned to those men and looked at them and said, why did you call me down here today? This man has a key. And if he's got a key, he can come and go as he likes. You see, when you have a key, that stops all questions of whether you have the authority or you are worthy. It doesn't have anything to do with whether you're worthy or not. If you have a key, you have a right of access. You have the right to step into it. You have a right to unlock that door and go in and enjoy everything that's on the inside. Everything. That's the power of what you hold in your hands right now. Now, I'm not talking about just a physical key. God's going to give you a spiritual key right now. Are you ready? Go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It's one of the most simple yet profound statements made in the Scripture. Actually, verse number 17 is the shortest verse in the original language, even shorter than Jesus wept in the original tongue. But three things that he said that were life-transforming that could turn your life upside down, inside out, put it back on its feet. It would give you access and power. It would open. It would close. It would renew. It would revive. It would empower. It would help you understand that God has a spiritual destiny planned for you, and I don't care what happens in your life if you can learn the secret of these three things you have a key that will unlock doors and allow you access to things that you've been barred from most of your life some of you a door was closed on your life a long time ago because of some kind of abusive situation And there's a door in your life that you don't ever go through. You don't trust anybody. You don't have confidence that anybody will keep their word. Women don't trust men. Men don't trust women. Because there was a door that was locked to you. And because it was locked and you have not been able to get your hands on a key, you've not been able to go through that door and enjoy what trust can bring into your life. You've not learned how to go through a door and enjoy what having confidence and assurance can do in a person's life. And because that door has been locked and you've not had a key, you have been barred from enjoying everything that's inside that door. 
Now, I'm not messing around right now. I'm talking to some folks right now. I'm here to tell some of you that are living in a house with some locked rooms that you need to wake up and realize that God has given you the power and He has given you the authority to walk up to that door this morning and put a key in and unlock that door and walk through it and enjoy it and benefit from the blessings that are beyond that door. And so they are simple yet profound. And I'm hurrying. Number one, he said, rejoice evermore. One translation said, be happy always. Be happy always. Be glad hearted in your faith. Joyful in your faith. Now it's important that you understand that's with your faith and in your faith. Because what I'm talking about doesn't necessarily work if faith is not attached to it. If you just go through life and you just, you're just happy-go-lucky and you just everything's always half full and not half empty and you can take a lemon and make lemon, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a spiritual understanding That when you take your faith and you mix it with rejoicing, that's why worship is so important. That's why what we do in the preliminary is not preliminary. It is preparation. It is putting me in the position where God can do something in my life, where God can move me through a door. Some of us are not getting the benefits out of our worship service. Because we think it's just something we go through to get to what we want to get to. And we don't understand that our worship, when it's mixed with our faith, is a key that gives us access. You want healing? Well, I'm going to tell you how to get healing. Quit waiting for somebody to lay their hands on you and lay your hands on yourself. And say, self, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to praise. I'm going to sing. I'm going to be joyful. I am going to rejoice. Worship experience is what it's called. It's not an event. I'm going to pastor a little while right now. Visitors, just buckle your seatbelt. It wears me out that sometimes our praise team wears themselves out Trying to get some of you, I don't mean literally, physically to stand up, but to get up in your spirit. And we're sitting there. He'll preach in a minute. We'll be through. It's just an event. It's just, that's, that's why some of you hang out in the foyer before service and you don't come into church until halfway through it. 
Because you don't understand the importance of what that beginning note is. It's not just a call to order. It is an opportunity to put a key in the door and walk into a room where blessings and power and anointing and healing and help and strength can be found. And the reason that the preaching does not do for me what it should do is because I don't ever get through the first door. I don't ever enter into his gates. I'm trying to be positive, folks. I am. I am. I'm trying to smile. But you can't enter into his gates. That's preaching. Until you first enter into his court. Or you, the vice versa, maybe. You can't enter into his court. That's preaching. Until you enter into his gates. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. You want to get more out of church? Start with the first note. Don't pick up halfway through church. And some of you are irritated at me right now. Bless God, just turn your other side because I'm going to irritate the other side. We want to sit here like a bump on a log or a wart on a pickle and we wonder why our lives are never changed and we leave here in the same misery we came in is because we don't take access to the room that God is trying to give you access to what's beyond that door. What could happen if I just entered in to his Gates with thanksgiving. Oh, it wouldn't be hard to get into his courts then. Amen. Amen. This is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, now, your people are just like everybody else. They don't understand the power of rejoicing. He said rejoicing is life's adjuster. Because rejoicing deals with the human attitude. And God knows some of us need attitude adjustment. And rejoicing is what gets into our spirit and starts working on that attitude to make it pliable and adjustable and and redeemable and when we come in and we lift up our voice and we learn how to praise and we learn how to worship, it's not a burden. Oh, that's what makes the burden a service is when you come in and you begin to rejoice in the Lord. You find, what did the Bible say? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Some of us come in sometimes, we're so tired, we're on our last leg and on our... And, and God's looking as we're on his last nerve and, and, and he's thinking, okay, maybe they'll get into the room tonight. Maybe they'll access what I've prepared for them. Maybe they, I, I've got a banquet table spread. I've got everything ready. I've got everything prepared. How many times does God have to look after a service and see all the stuff that's left on the table because somebody didn't. Access the room. Rejoice always. 
That has to do with your time. Life is consumed by time. And he said, you need to make sure that time doesn't control you, but you learn how to control time. Because times change. Time may change. Times sometimes take longer than an hour to change. You understand what I'm saying? There are seasons of life that you go through and the hour may pass, but what you're going through doesn't pass with the hour. But he said, if you can learn how to rejoice and you can learn how to take your faith and mix it with some praise, he said, it's going to give you the ability to get through that season, however long it is, however painful it is, however miserable you are, it'll help you get through that season so that you can come out victorious you can come out intact you can come out a better person it's the attitude attitude doesn't control me or it shouldn't I should control my attitude listen to me right now I'm afraid to look anywhere right now. Attitude is something you have to develop. You're not born with it. You say, well, that's just my personality. Well, bless God, your personality can be redeemed. But your attitude needs to be adjusted. And the only way you can adjust it is through praise and faith. When you mix those two together, it has a way of doing something to your attitude. It it brings a whole new perspective on life. You come in here down in the dumps. You come in here beat up like a doll rag. You come in here wore out because of all that's going on. And then when you open your mouth and you start praising and your heart is mixed with the faith of the word that you're saying, the next thing you know, you're out in the aisle. You can't control you. You're something crazy going on inside there's something crazy happening in me i'm going to tell you what's happening you just accessed the door of power you just walked through some place that's going to change your life come on lift your hands to him right now my goodness oh hallelujah 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 You can change your attitude. You know what? I've got two more points. I don't have any time, so I'm not going to bore you. Stand. If you want to hear the rest of it, you're just going to have to show up back at church. I may finish it tonight. I don't know. But I can't finish what I... The Holy Ghost is in this place right now. God's in this place. He's trying to give some of you a key that's going to unlock a door of joy and peace and happiness. Oh, yes. And contentment. 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 You know what contentment is? It's being Well, it's got the word tent in it. Tent speaks of a dwelling. Contentment is a peace that comes where you dwell. 
It's the hand of God that just lays on you in the middle of the night when your heart is racing and your mind is trying to tell you that this is not going to work out. There's no way out. God's hand just lays on you and says, it's going to be all right. Just praise me. It's going to be all right. You say, that sounds so ridiculous. That's what's wrong with the church. They've got simplistic answers to complicated problems. No, the world has it wrong. It was through the simplicity of preaching that God chose to save people. Now, listen to me. He wasn't just talking about salvation such as the blood, water, and spirit. I believe the word salvation there in the Greek indicates more than just a new birth experience. But it speaks of every kind of salvation that I'm ever going to need in my life. When I need to be saved from misery. When I need to be saved from hatred. When I need to be saved from bitterness. When I need to be saved from hurt. When I need to be saved from brokenness. When I need to be saved from an attitude that just doesn't care. I find it. When I take my little bit of faith, it doesn't have to be a lot, just a little bit. And I mix it with my words. And I begin to sing those songs that they put up on the wall. And it becomes more than just words. It becomes my spirit. Hallelujah. And God lays his hand on me. And he said, it's going to be all right. Through the simplicity of preaching, he has chose to save us. Save me. God's trying to save some of you this morning. God's trying to help you get access to some stuff that's been locked away. Bitterness has locked it away. Man, oh Lord. My family is not a perfect family and I'm going to be honest and transparent with you. I won't tell you the names, but they were members of my family. Years, years, years ago that was hurt because of some things that had happened in our family unit because of in-laws you know the difference between in-laws and outlaws don't you outlaws are wanted I'm just kidding but it happened and it was so hurtful that one of our family members closed the door and it was locked. And for 45 years, it stayed locked. I remember talking to one of my family members about it. And I watched the tears flow, wishing that that door could be opened again. And after 40, some 45 years, the phone rang one day. My mother picked it up. It was my mother on the other end of the line was that family member said you know I was just sitting here the other day and I realized that I had not talked to you in 45 years he said it is so crazy that I would let something so small as that keep me away from enjoying part of my family talking to some of you right now. There's some things that have happened in your life. 
you've let lock a door. You won't even go there. You're like the mother in England whose son died unexpectedly. And she locked the door. And 35 years later, somebody bought the building. And when they went in, the room was just like it was when she closed the door. The pictures of the child were still in place. The stuffed animals were on the bed. Cobwebs everywhere. Nobody had entered that room for 35 years. You don't find healing when you do that. You don't find restoration when you do that. The only way you can find healing and restoration is to take the key that God gives us. And he said one of those keys is to rejoice always in your faith. Find a way to praise me. Find a way to worship. Find a way to lift your voice through all the pain and the hurt and realize that this is just a season that I'm going to pass through it. And when I get through it, I don't want to be leaving anything behind that needs to be a part of my life. Somebody needs to put that key in the door right now and make up your mind that you're not going to let life control you. You're not going to let your circumstances control you. You're not going to let your attitude destroy your family. There's people sitting on these or standing right now in this place that you're letting your attitude destroy your family. You're letting your attitude poison the relationships that God brought into your life to help make your life better. And because you don't want to give and you're not, you've got so much stinking pride, it's killing you right now. If you could just humble yourself and realize, you know what? God's been too good to me for me to be bitter. Doesn't matter what's happened to me. We want to talk about what's happened. This church is full of things that's happened. I can tell you a whole list of things that's happened to me that are not right and happened to people that were in the church. They did it to me. But I'm not bitter about that this morning. I'm not angry about that. That's what helped make me who I am. That's what helped me learn how to crawl out of the hole. That's what helped me learn how to get back up on my feet. That's what taught me how to keep going. That's what taught me and kept me when everything in life was telling me to give up. When you learn how to praise Him, when you learn how to submit to Him in your praise, Lord, that's when the Holy Ghost comes. That's when people receive the Holy Ghost. That's when you speak with other tongues. It's when you come to that point where you surrender your will to His and you just open your mouth and you begin to speak as the heart gives the utterance. That's when the Holy Ghost comes. If you need the Holy Ghost, that's how simple it is for you to receive today. You don't have to beat your head over the, 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 the pew for 30 minutes. All you've got to do is just open your mouth and let your faith be mixed with your words when you say, I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. You cannot do that and not gain access into his spirit. And I'm telling somebody else right now, that some of you could gain access into healing this morning if you would just open your mouth right now and just begin to praise Him. I love you, Jesus. Come on. I don't mean with your mouth. I mean with your spirit. I mean from the depth of your soul. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. 
I praise you, Jesus. There is a I praise you, Jesus. I'm going to raise my way out of misery. I'm going to praise my way out of disappointment. I'm going to praise my way out of hurt. I'm going to praise my way out of pain and suffering. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody, access that door right now. Why don't you put that key in? Come on, let's walk into it today. Let's walk into that door right now. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, yes, 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 yes.